Okay, so indwelling. What is the indwelling? And we say of the Holy Spirit. Have, oh, John chapter 14. And we're going to talk about the indwelling of the Spirit. Now Jesus makes a promise. And why don't we just read it first. Um, and uh, verse... We could start. I'm trying to figure where we're going to start. Look at verse 15. John 14 and 15. He says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, <clears throat> that's an important verse. Now, why do I say important? You should underline that because the Holy Spirit did not have this ministry in the Old Testament. God never gave the Holy Spirit to anybody forever. Right there is a distinction between what happened then and what's happening now. Many people will tell you, but David lost the Holy... David prayed, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Right? So he, play, he prayed that, didn't he? Samson prayed, give it to me one more time. <laughs> Samson, <laughs> Samson lost the Spirit, and he begged for it back. How about Saul? Right. Remember the Spirit was on Saul? What happened? It left him. So that could happen in the Old Testament. Why? Because the Spirit was given... Uh, under a different ministry to prophets, priests, kings, those who were in the work service of God. And he, he would put it upon them. We would say upon them. And we, we have a, a term that we call endowment. Now, so there's endowment and indwelling. Endowment means the Old Testament use of the way the Spirit was, how he co would come upon certain ones. Now, if you read theological books, you will find in like John chapter 20, people are divided. Now we're going to hold your finger because we have more to read there. In John chapter 20, it says, right after Thomas's incident, right? Uh, oh, is it 20? Yeah. <clears throat> yes. It is John chapter 20, and look at verse 21. And, G and, and again, Jesus said, Peace be unto you. As the Father hath sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Many people in theological books will tell you that this is the apostles, oh, all kinds of things. This is their Pentecost. This is uh, them receiving the indwelling of the Spirit. This, you know, all kinds of things they will tell you, but that is not this is this is not what's happening here. This is the Old Testament ministry of the Spirit, endowment. Where why did he have to give the apostles this? Because, well, first of all, he was leaving them, and they were destroyed because of that. And then going back to our verse here in fourteen, they were destroyed because he was leaving. So he says, you know what? I'm going to send another comforter. Now a comforter means, an, and that word another, means another of the same kind. Jesus was a comfort to them. He, he taught them. He was a guide to them. And he was going to send another of the same kind. And who is that other? It is God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is just not some force, some power, some impersonal force. Just keep that in mind. God the Holy Spirit is a person. Now just like you're a person, he's a person. 
And if we look at people for what they can do, then we abuse that person. If we're only looking after people for what they can do, suppose uh, we could use the example of a, a pretty woman, right? Instead of people trying to get to know that woman, they can't get past her beauty. They can't get past. All they can see is their beauty, and they're starstruck. But for a person to 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 look at people according to that is is really demeaning, isn't it? You don't even get to know who that person is. It is really an object to you. Or look at a star, a person who you know, is an actor or something. And that person has trouble because he never knows who to trust. People are constantly trying to use that person. And how do they know that he re they really want him or his character that he plays on TV? So in essence, we have to also value the Holy Spirit as a person. We don't do that a lot of times. We look at the Holy Spirit as a force. Okay, fill me. I've done what I'm supposed to do. Now you do what you're supposed to do. Force. Come into me and fill me. See, we think we're just like in that there's a stream flowing, and that's the force of the Holy Spirit. Well, I got out of the stream, so I'm fine. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm I'm back, I'm gonna confess it, so now I'm back in the stream. That's all it is. There's way more to it than that. Way more to it than that. The Holy Spirit is a person first. We have to recognize it. Just like you're a person. I have to recognize you. I don't just look at you for what you can do for me. I look at you as a person. I value you as a peer. Somebody who I can relate to. And talk to. And, and conversate with. So if you don't see the Holy Spirit as that. That's the first problem that we would have. Is looking at the Holy Spirit as a force. An influence. Now we could say in the Old Testament. When the Spirit would come upon somebody. They would be enabled to do certain things. I understand that. But now there's a new ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's a person, just like Jesus. That's why it says, I'm going to send you another of the same kind of counselor, comforter. And that word can be translated counselor, comforter. And because Jesus was that to them. Everything the Spirit is to us today, Jesus was exactly that to the disciples. We went through that in John 16, where we read how the Spirit would convict the world. But then he turns and he says, but to believers, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to guide believers into all truth. I'm, and he says everything Jesus said, I'm going to teach them. He's going to comfort them. He's going to bring to mem remembrance everything that Jesus said. And he will tell them things to come. So Jesus did all of that for the, for the disciples. So go back to 14. Here it says, the counselor to be with you forever. Forever. That's a blessing. You cannot lose the Holy Spirit. You cannot lose it. In, fa in fact, we have to note, and we'll say this later as we go through the scriptures, the indwelling of the Spirit is not something you ask for. You don't ask. No, there's no prayer in the Bible that says, Lord, indwell me. Okay, It's just not there. So how do you get indwelt by the Spirit? It is a matter of salvation. It is a result of salvation. When you believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells your body. And how long does He indwell it? Forever. That's why you don't ever have to ask for God. God, the Holy Spirit, you know I've been really sinful. Can you indwell me again? I must have lost it. But you didn't lose it. Because He's with you forever. Just keep thinking about it. Sometimes you've got to read the Scripture and just think about that. 
Just think about what a blessing that is that He has you. You don't have Him. He indwells you forever. And then it says, the Spirit of Truth. That's the name of this counselor. He's the Spirit of Truth. Truth means reality. Whose reality? Mine? No. The reality of God. He's the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept Him. Why? Because the world is this evil cosmic system of Satan. Because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. And the world is based on the, the flesh, the devil, and all these things, the, the pride of life, things that can be seen. But the Holy Spirit is invisible, just as God is a spirit. But you know Him, for He, watch this, He lives with you now. He lives with you now, and He will be in you. There are some differences that never happened in the Old Testament. Never. The Holy Spirit was never in anybody. He was always upon them. And then after He did, He, he enabled people to do what He had to do, He left them. That was it. So that's a major difference between Old Testament and New Testament. Why would the Holy Spirit indwell us? Anyway? What's important about that? I just wanted you to read those couple verses and make sure you have that because this is important for you to know. Uh, let me just finish it off and then we'll talk about why it's important. Because it neither sees him, but you know he will be with you, he will, he, for he lives with you now and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me any longer, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. Now that's interesting. First he promises the Holy Spirit. I'm wondering if everybody has ever looked at it this way. First he promises the Holy Spirit. He says he's coming to you and he will not only live, he's not only here now, but he will be in you. Now we know what the Holy Spirit does. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Does that mean you should only eat vegetables? Does it mean you got to watch what you do with your body? Does it mean you can't um, smoke cigarettes? Uh, you can't uh, eat a lot of sugar? What, what, what does it mean that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? It means that you can worship God in your body. And you don't have to go somewhere to, to worship God, to fellowship with God. Okay, so you're looking at it. So you, you're saying, you, who do you worship, your body? No, you worship God. Okay, see, because see, in the Old Testament, all worship was centered around the temple, the sanctuary. So when people wanted, when they thought of worship, you know what they did? They worshiped the, temple. They worshiped the sanctuary. You know why? Because that's where the presence of God resided. But so did they, did they worship? They worshiped the presence of God. That's right. So they worship God. They worship God. But God was somewhere. He had a location. Where? The temple. So people would always, when they pray, Jews, which way would they turn? To the east, or whatever way Jerusalem was. Because that, that's the presence of God. And they were honoring that presence by worshiping toward the temple. Now, of course, there are, there's another religious group who does, who does that now too, but I'm not going to mention their name. You have a question? Oh, um, 
Well, yes, because uh, that's the part where he guides us into all truth. If we allow, we can't be led if we keep pulling back, you know. And then every time he tries to show us something, and we just don't want to see it. So yeah, as as we do uh, follow his leading, we are going to walk in truth. We're going to, our our behavior will change. He'll take us places that we've never been. Worshiping the temple isn't that on the Worshiping the temple? No, not actually. In the Old Testament, they did actually worship toward the temple. But the temple, remember, was a building that God ordained and, and sanctified. When we say sanctified, he set it apart for his holy use. Not, not only uh, did he set it apart, but even the, uh, the furniture, the, the, the making of the temple, the, uh, the different uh, pieces that went in there, God had put the Spirit on people so that they could craft those artifacts, the Ark of the Covenant, the show, table of showbread. It wasn't just you know, send to the factory and get us back one. He put the spirit on people to especially make those artifacts. That's right. And it, there, everything was prescribed in detail to the T. If you want to read it, you you can read all about it. And those are Leviticus, Numbers, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Like with Solomon, they dedicated the temple to God. Yes, they did. They did it. There was miracles that happened. Miracles. There wasn't any question about whether or not God was there. Why? Because there was a glory that shone around the temple. Look at that window right there behind you. See them, that light flashing on that window? And what that, that was like looking at the temple in the Old Testament, there was this Shekinah glory. They called it the Shekinah glory, the light that would actually occupy the most holy place. So people, you just said, well, why are you worshiping that building? They weren't worshiping the building. They were worshiping God who was in that building. So not only if the building, if God was in that building, you know what? The building was holy. It had to be built exactly according to the specifications of God. And you didn't just run around playing in the temple. That was forbidden because it was, you know, if you entered it, first of all, only the priest could enter. If you were from Judah, tribe of Judah, or Dan, or, or Naphtali, or Gad, or any of those other tribes, you couldn't enter the temple at all in your entire life. Period. Never. Just imagine. <laughs> you don't get to go in. Period. And the priests, not even all the priests could go in. Just the high priest could go into the most holy place. Other priests could minister in the holy place. But only the high priest could go into the most holy place. So all of this is for God is setting this up to show you something that we have now. You tell me how much greater is what you have than what they had. Do we go back to the Old Testament when they all crowded around one sanctuary? One sanctuary they crowded around because the presence of God was in there. Now, you said you are the temple of God. And you worship. You get to worship that temple. Well, you are the temple. And God, the temple of God, remember, if you're talking about the temple of God, then, I mean, if your body is the temple of the living God, then the living God is in you. Or else, what's the use of the temple? It'd be like uh, the, old, the, 
the, the Jews had. They didn't have the Ark of the Covenant. And they, they built this temple. And they didn't even have the Ark of the Covenant. It was lost. So you know what they did? They had a stone in there. <laughs> that was telling. Really, because guess what? It was empty. The priest would go in there, supposed to minister, but it was empty. They didn't have anything in there. A stone. So that's what he did. It would sprinkle the blood on the stone. For years and years and years. Didn't I tell you something? Yeah, but prior to that, the Shekinah glory was in there. But now it's empty. Where's the furniture? What does that have to say? God moved out. <laughs> it wasn't there. It was stolen. It, it was uh, yeah. It was it was captured and it was never found. <laughs> he moved down. If no furniture's there, right? If all the chairs are missing and this is gone, what are you going to say? What did the church move? <laughs> and that's like um, the Lord would say like um, he would always have like at the end he would say in this house uh, will be brought down or something like if. Oh yeah, it was um, in the Old Testament. It was a very big deal, especially the presence of God and whether it was here, uh, if it departed, right? And that was where uh, we have Eli and and the stories about the temple departing, and he fell back on the chair and he broke his neck and died because he had heard the news that they had captured the Ark of the Covenant. And I think he said. Uh, something like Ichabod or something, which means the, lo the the glory of the Lord has departed. Yeah. Ichabod, and that's what it means, has departed. So, so it's very important to have the glory of the Lord in the temple, isn't it? Because the temple, without the glory of the Lord, it just loses all of its meaning. So, the ark, what was on the ark before? as the Shekinah glory. So the Lord wasn't necessarily in the ark, but that was a very holy uh, artifact. It was sanctified, set apart unto God for a holy use. That's what sanctified means. But you know, we're said to be sanctified. What does that mean? We're set apart for God's holy use. Everything that you read in the Old Testament, you see all those Jews and the priesthood and all that crowding around that one sanctuary your body is the temple of the living God. You now. You are the temple. Can you imagine it? You lived in the Old Testament. You know what people would do? They would be crowded around you. Because you are the temple of the living God. And guess what? This temple is not even made with hands. God made this temple. How did he do it? It's a temple made by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells your body and what does he do? He's just hanging around? He sets up a temple. And here we have the scripture where it says that the Holy Spirit comes and he in, uh, that the, Jesus is prophesying that the Spirit will come. And, he would, and when he comes, he said he will be in you. And the next thing he says is that, guess what? Then I will come. After a while, I will come. And I will be in you. And then if you keep, keep reading, he tells you when he surfaces in you, he says, I will manifest myself to you in verse 20. We get the whole thing. Let's read it again. 17, John 14, 17, the spirit of truth. Whoa, we got to close. 
sorry. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and he will be, he lives with you now, but he will be future tense in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus is saying. Now this is after the Holy Spirit is in you. So we're already talking Pentecost, right? Follow the chronology of it. He, he, first of all, Pentecost happens, that's when the Holy Spirit indwelled everybody. It didn't happen at John 20 where he breathed on them the Holy Spirit because all those apostles still received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Okay? So here, he says, he lives with you and will be in you. Then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. When are you going to come to you, Jesus? When? Before long, the world will not see me any long anymore. Oh, what do you mean the world will not see me anymore? When is that? When he goes to the Father. See, some people have interpreted this to say, the world will no, not see me anymore. Oh, that means when he dies and he's in the ground for three days, but then the world will see me when he's resurrected. No. If he's saying the world's not going to see him anymore, then he's not coming to this world anymore in this, in this sense. That's what he means. But he's referring to the fact, because I live, you will also live. You will also live. On that day. What day? That day when I actually come and, and I surface I am in the, you will, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now, if you realize that he's in you, is he already in you? He's already there, but now you realize. So he's not saying that the indwelling, you know, is there, and I'm there, and I'm going to come to you at a certain point in time. He's saying, I'm going to be in you, but on this day, you will realize. That's when you will realize. So notice the chronology. It, it is interesting when we talk about the indwelling of the Spirit. Jesus prophesied that it had to be a temple, and now we have the person who is occupying the temple, Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to come, and I'm already in you, but you just don't realize it. So when he manifests in you, wow, then people will take note. That's when people will know. Because remember, we talked about just a minute ago, but what was the temple without the Lord? Nothing. People might have worshipped and thought it was holy and all, but it didn't have the Lord. It was a sham. But when the Lord showed up in that temple, nobody had to be convinced that that was a supernatural event. In fact, Jewish scholars over the years have talked about the Shekinah glory. It was a miracle. It was a cloud by day to cover them from the sun. And it was a pillar of fire by night. And that pillar of fire would rest over the, mount, the tent of the congregation. And when the priest would be in ministering, the Shekinah glory would, would glow in that temple. And people would see this and they would realize that the priest is not doing this. This is God. And that's who they feared because it's God. That's what it talks about. Our Lord is a consuming fire. So this is real. This is what happened for the, for the Israelites constantly. It wasn't anything that, you know, we said, wow, look at that. No, they knew this was happening. This is God living with them. Well, God is living with you. He's inside of you. So I want you to start recognizing that what God has done 
in your body. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, each one of you. So right now, we can have somebody come up and stand, and we'll examine the temple. We'll talk about the, uh, the features of the temple, and we'll see if we can see the Shekinah glory in the temple. We're going to be able to see the Shekinah glory. We'll talk about how you can see it. Now we'll turn to this one scripture and we'll close. It is Colossians, and you all know it. Or should we just quote it all together? Colossians 1. And it talks about the mystery. And why it's so important in this age for us to recognize what God has done. And the significance of it. Toward the end of the chapter, in Colossians chapter 1, we have these words. Um, look at verse 024. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up my, in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Verse 25. I have become its servant, the servant of the church, by commission God gave me, by the commission God gave me to present the word of God in its fullness. We have the word of God in its fullness through this ministry that Paul's going to really tell us about. They didn't have it. In, if, it if he's presenting it now, it means they didn't have it before. Okay? And then he tells you what that is. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. In you, the hope of glory. We got to discuss that in a lot more detail, but I just want to leave that with you so you could think about where we're going. What does this indwelling accomplish for us? It's glorious. It's riches. When you think about just one temple in the holy in the Old Testament, one temple. That's all there was. I don't even know how I can emphasize that. Can you imagine what God has made in the church? If just there was just one temple for all of those people. In fact, for the whole world. One temple. There wasn't a temple over here and a temple in this country and everybody had their own temple. There was just one temple, period. The whole world. And now, we are the church, the temple of God. And God's, he, He's doing something great in that temple. It is related to these fantastic riches. We'll talk about it more. And we'll give all the scriptures for indwelling, which I haven't given any except for the ones in John. There are others and we'll talk about them next week. We should have at least put those in ones in John, right? This is John chapter 14 verses 15 through 17, right? And that's, and that deals, and we also did, what other scriptures did we cover? Which one? John 20 John 20 20, 21, and it dealt, that dealt with the endowment, right? Where he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And then so, we picked up and then we did from 17, 17 through 21, because we dealt with the rest of Jesus coming back, right, into the temple. And there, I don't know if people have seen that. Colossians. 
Do we? Oh, that's right. We did Colossians, right? Right. One, 24 through twenty-seven, and that's Christ in you. And and the fact that the, that is the mystery, that is uh, wh where this is going. That's where we're going with this. You're going to see such a value in the in doing. I want you to value who you are. God has made something of you fantastic here. And I don't want you to miss it. So you're going to see something fantastic that God has done in the church. And that is riches related to this. It was riches for them in the Old Testament. The fact that they had that. No other nation had that. The Jews had that. It was to them riches. They would, they would take the Ark of Co the Covenant with them in battle. To them it was a sign of great blessing. The fact that God was with them. And not anybody else. With them. That was important to them. That's why we, we were just talking about the Ichabod story. Because that's how horrible it, it was when the glory did finally depart at times. Let's stand and we'll close. I know it's late, sorry. But we had a good study. We had questions and we wanted to deal with them. Remember, if you get a chance to listen to the radio station, it's in the bulletin. All right. uh, I'll, I'll be changing the content around this week. So let's stand. We're going to close and have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had together. And Lord, as we are approaching the, a new subject, the indwelling of the Spirit, we pray, Father, that we will come and have a appreciation for what the person of the Spirit has done in us. Each of us, Father, is an extraordinary creation. And Lord, we need to begin to recognize of this, this the, the, the omnipotence that was that has gone into creating each of us. What you have made of us, Father, one person here, far outweighs anything you've ever done in the Old Testament. Lord, we need to look at the surpassing greatness of what we have and not look back at what was failing, what was done away. Lord, we're so grateful for these things that you have revealed to us. The fact that Jesus was, would come into the temple and that he would manifest himself. We have that privilege, Christ in us, the very confidence of glory. We pray for traveling mercies for those who will be traveling. Lord, bring us back next week and Sunday as we will continue to study the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Great questions. As we... Uh,